0: You're listening to UX Podcast, a monthly podcast from Stockholm, Sweden, with James Royal Lawson and Per Axel. moving the conversation beyond UX. Hello, and welcome to UX Podcast. I'm James Royal Lawson. And I'm Per Axel. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking to Greg Sullivan.
1: Yeah. Optimize our die on Twitter, and we've been talking to him a lot over the past few months. And uh, he's been pushing us now for the for some weeks to be a be a guest on our show. So
0: he's been trying to optimize us and convert us. Mm,
1: absolutely. Uh, so let's talk to Craig and let him introduce himself.
2: Good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon, Craig. How are you?
2: <laughs> I'm good. I, I'm very happy. It's been a, a good week. I've just. Checked in with most of my team, and things are actually going really well, which is which is excellent. It usually means something bad is about to happen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Probably yes, they're hiding the truth.
2: from <laughs> Yes, it's, it's the, the the eye of the hurricane. you think of what's wrong? <laughs>
0: uh,
1: we should actually start by uh, asking some questions about who are you, and where do you work, and what what. what uh, types of sites have you worked with because you sort of approached us now because you were the one pressing us to get this podcast up. and uh, why should we listen to you? <laughs> uh,
2: I'm, I'm, a, I'm a conversion guy yeah. you know the fact that I'm here now it doesn't really matter what I say I've got my conversion <laughs> 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 just hang up at this point no seriously though no. Uh, no, I was interested because I've been um, uh, watching you guys on Twitter and, and reading the stuff that you were reading and sharing and thought these guys are like-minded, they're not taking just a singular sort of discipline approach to solving these problems of optimization and, uh, uh, and uh, improving sites from a business and GX perspective. And, you know, my my kind of background has been uh, similar in that I've been really looking for, you know, business optimization, not just sort of website optimization, so really designing the service. Mm-hmm. I've worked for, uh, in terms of who I am, my name's Craig, you'll probably know me online as Optimizer or and I work for Bellron, who are the umbrella company that uh, owns a number of brands around the world. Um, you will know as Autoglass, Light, or CarGlass. Uh, we right. basically right. operate yeah. in 35 countries mm. and offer a, a glass repair and replacement service mainly for vehicles. Mm. In terms of sites I've worked on, I, I, I really cut my teeth in e-commerce when I joined the John Lewis Partnership and worked right. on early stage launches of most of the products are from Waitrose and John Lewis, uh, and even introduced the online grocery company, Ocado, to the people at Waitrose, so that's kind of how that came about, okay. and um, spent some time working for a usability consultancy called Usability by Design then did my startup business at Love Film for four years, and I've been at One for three now. So wow. I'm, I'm oh, definitely nice. a, a veteran of the e-commerce scene. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's it's, it's in some ways opposite to me because I've, I've worked very little, actually, with e-commerce sites. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Um, but um, but always fascinated when I talk to people who mm-hmm. work with, you know, proper hands-on work with e-commerce mm-hmm. sites because it's, it's a it's a very different world to... Mm-hmm. to Live in compared to the, the corporate
2: world which most of the work is I've done. It is, but the 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 disciplines still had positive outcomes for both. Um, Absolutely.
0: The principles I, are I, very I, I,
2: I, I had a word with a charity site where where I, I looked at their donation system to try and encourage people to donate and also donate larger amounts. And I said to them really what this button on this website should be saying to the customer at least in terms of the message it conveys is, if you don't give us money, this polar bear will die. And and they said, oh, we couldn't say things like that. I said, I know you can't say things like that, but this is the mental model that you need to give people because if people don't give you that money, then the polar bears that you could have saved will die. Mm. So your job is to get more money from people because you're doing it for the polar bears. The polar bears want you to persuade people using all the techniques that you can to get money for their poor, um, starving bugs because they want to be saved. So your job is to provide the hookup for the polar bears. They want you to be persuasive. And if that means being a little bit more pushy, then it's a good thing for the polar bears, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Is, Is that where your Twitter handle came from?
2: Sorry? Is that
0: where your Twitter handle came from?
2: Um, my Twitter handle. <laughs> it's the birds. I that you're from... talking about
0: optimize, or the birds will die. But well, that was <laughs> yeah. too long. Well,
2: so. Um, <laughs> the the Twitter handle actually came from a um uh, a Pixies track called Nimrod Sun, and ah, I was at okay, one of the yeah. first Pixies concerts in the uh, the first Pixies concert in the UK in the Town and Country Club, and got to talk to uh, Frank Black after the gig. Was that,
0: um, was that 87? Sorry. Was it
2: 87? <laughs> yes, about about yeah. then. I still have the ticket. I'd have to check. Yeah, God, jealous. Uh, it, I, was, I, mean... I was bruised at that gig. All my shoulders and arms at, in the mosh pit. Yeah. Uh, it was just. It was absolutely. I was destroyed the oh. next day. There was a great gig, but one of the tracks that I really liked from the album they had out at the time. Uh, has an argument in it about somebody's stuff and they swear a lot at each other and basically they say yeah nobody touches my stuff and i said you please die and um, I then co-opted this into a statement at work that said, you have to optimize this stuff or you're going to bleep and die. And <laughs> hey, that's where it came from, from my Pixie song. Excellent. Right.
1: So I'm, I'm going to step in now and just yeah. uh, bring yeah. us to to the topic. Sorry, I realized
2: that. my fault. <laughs> it, yeah. fact, actually optimize or effing die, but that's too long for Twitter, I'm afraid.
1: Yeah, exactly. So you obviously are the conversion person to be talking to. And... Um, We've all—all all three of us actually have been have been tweeting a lot about uh, mobile versus native websites uh, or native apps, and uh, we've sort of been bashing on Jacob Nielsen as well and his uh, posts on useit.com. And uh, what we really want to talk to you today about is how do you go about creating a, a mobile site that that really rocks? Because uh, I've seen some figures coming from you, and you, you're saying basically that. Uh, the conversion rates for, for mobile sites are, well, extremely much much higher than than for uh, native apps.
2: Yes. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't say that conversion was mm. necessarily higher. Mm. In fact, I think the slick experience supported by apps mm. can get you a very good conversion rate. I think the fundamental problem that people start with is that they don't find out where the customers are. If you're opening a restaurant or a retail store, you will do your research to make sure that there is footfall, that people will actually come past that store, that people will drive there, that in essence there is the business opportunity. And you have to do the same with your apps or mobile strategy. Where are people looking for you? Uh, If you're angry, Birds, then a lot of people are searching for you in the app store. You know, if you are Ikea, then a lot of people are probably searching for you in Google, not in the App Store. Mm -hmm. So go where the customer traffic is. Now, one thing that people don't analyze often enough is how many mobiles actually come into their site right now and what happens to them. And I would say one thing that underpins this is that there are some anomalies I've detected in Google device detection, which means that people may be undercounting their figures slightly. Mm -hmm. But sometimes people don't look or they assume because conversion is poor on their current non-optimized site that there isn't an opportunity. And for me, mobile is like an iceberg. You only sometimes on poorly optimized sites or sites that don't yet support mobiles, You, you almost see it as a very small opportunity because they're not actually buying but hmm. if you look at underneath the water line, you actually see that there's a lot of content and demand if only you gave them an experience that actually was yeah, possible
0: yeah. yeah it's a bit of a chicken and egg thing that you, you know you say that well you know, they, they don't they're not buying, so we don't bother need, they won't need, don't need to care about them right, but if you cared about them, they might start buying exactly and uh, sometimes uh,
1: people say... come onto the mobile site and they buy later on yeah. on the, on the yeah, desktop site yeah. so yeah or they wear around yeah.
0: I think it's a good point as well about footfall, Craig. That I mean, that's something that I, I bang on about a fair bit when, um, I mean, just this week, I've seen another example of um, a local supermarket here in Stockholm, EcoSelus um, oh, Storey. Okay. Um, so this is kind of like a, a Tesco local um, in Stockholm. And, and they've launched their own, I think it was in December, they launched their own you know, Android and iPhone app yeah. just for this one store. Yeah. Um, wow. And um you know, they've got big posters outside the shop saying, Install our app and, you know, like us on Facebook, all the usual stuff. And I looked on, on um on Android Market, um, or Google Play now, um and it was I think hundred plus it said I downloaded it. Um yeah. but but this place, this this supermarket in Stockholm, so got story, it gets thousands of people walking past every single day. Thousands, yeah. it's probably you know, maybe even well, definitely thousands, and yeah. probably thousands going into the shop itself. It's, it can't be the right decision for them to build an app which someone then needs to bother, to care enough about, mm. search for it, to click on install, yeah. and then to remember to open it you know, when they feel like buying something as they're walking past. Yeah. It's, um,
2: what what it's people of. also don't realise is there is a huge bias in the way that the ranking system works in the Apple App Store. If you actually look at the top apps in there and the types of things that actually bubble up in terms of recommendations... It's games, 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 yeah. games, and yeah. more games, and more time-wasting and time-filling things, and more games, and puzzles, and more games. So, <laughs> it's, it's very, very difficult to, to get traction there when uh, sometimes things are dominated to that extent yeah. by game-centric and currency-centric So is the app store there merely to run a whole gaming economy or is it there to showcase and allow people to get to apps in their local area that they really want? Well, I I think we know the answer to that in a way.
0: Given, given um, the revenue
2: model for um, for the App Store, um, I think this is an easy answer. Co- correct. There there are many problems with the App Store for us because we because we're operating in thirty five um, countries. We we have nineteen languages. We have try and bilingual um, uh, economies that we need to support. Mm. And doing anything with the App Store is incredibly expensive. <laughs> Apple will often reject our apps for seemingly spurious reasons, even when they're from the same code base, it takes a long time to launch. And Mm. every time we want to change a full stop or even a tiny little thing in the app, we have to go through that whole process. For us as a business, the cost and ROI of doing app uh, is, is, you know, it's very low. But we do this from a customer experience point of view. We want our customers to have uh uh, web app, optimized mobile site, desktop, and tablet support. So we give them everything. Mm. But I would say that the return for us on apps is very poor because people are not searching for us, our brand, on the app store. They're searching for it on Google or on uh, using exactly. the web browser. Yeah. So that's, the context that's where the traffic them, is.
0: That's the context they find themselves in. Mm.
2: Um, in the yeah. <laughs> and even if you were just a games developer who's only... Uh, business model only existed on the app store, you would still need a mobile optimized site to direct traffic to your products on the app stores and work out whether it was an Android or an Apple phone turning up say, ah, you're an Android guy. Hey, we've got all these great games that we've published and here are some links to them and some videos about them. Mm. Everybody needs a mobile optimized site. But one of the first things you should do is weigh up the opportunity. You may decide um, when you actually look at your mobile phone stats, you don't have significant Android um, percentage in a market. Now, if 1% of the people that come to your website right now arrive with Android handsets and 99% of them are using iPhones, that should be a bloody great clue to you (laughs) that you've got some traction if you launch an iPhone. But you don't need to cover every app store. You should only be covering the app stores or the mobile websites where people are actually going to give you money back for that investment. Mm.
0: Right.
1: Very good point. So, uh, obviously, a lot of companies are moving, moving into the mobile space this year, basically. Uh, what are some, some of the things that they should be thinking about? What are some, some of the common mistakes that people do?
2: Uh, I, I, I think the biggest mistake um, is made in not actually uh, working with the customer here. Uh, what you've got to do is, People sit and look at this problem and say, I've got this massive, great big desktop side. Somehow I've got to compress all of that a- a- into a tiny space, a much smaller space. So it would be like taking a Christmas tree and putting all the decorations on it at Christmas time. And then somebody says to you, now I want you to make it four inches tall. <laughs> <laughs> right, so you're sort of there yeah, thinking, love that. okay, how the hell am I going to do this? Now, most people will, uh, most people will have a fight over which Christmas decorations that they want in the tree. So everybody well, wants so, decorations on. They spent so much I, money
0: buying all the baubles for the tree; they're they're bound to be protective
2: about yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, the marketing guys will want things, the branding guys will want things. You can't all have your own way, and you can't take the desktop site and necessarily replicate every single piece of content and functionality in the mobile site. So who do you start with? The customer. And if you're doing a user-centred design, you're going to start with things like, okay, we 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 want an app for, you know, our airline. What are the things that people want on here? Do, do they want to look at holiday offers? No. Um. Do, do they want to look at you know, travel destinations, no. They want their boarding cards. They want to know when a flight is going to arrive. They want to know when theirs is going to take off. Uh, they, they want to, they have very incisive needs, like bungee. They need to bungee jump in, get the piece of information, and then come out. So actually talking to people about what they would like to use here will help you decide what craft you have to cut from your desktop site to give it utility and good user experience for the people who are going to use it. Mm-hmm.
1: So how would you go, go about actually, uh, like, prototyping a mobile site? Would you want to go uh, out and test it, uh, or do you want to launch it and see what happens and measure and, and do things faster? What what kind of techniques would, would there be just to get it out there?
2: I, I guess it- Depends on your um, your methodology. You know, the lean guys are going to want to say, "Let's get a minimum viable product built and out there." Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I I'm definitely in agreement with anyone who makes anything, whether it's a prototype or a real site, mm-hmm. and gets it in front of people early, early enough and often enough in the development life cycle. People shouldn't be seeing it. you, you know, your ideas for a mobile site after you've spent. Two months designing it yeah. and branding, being all over it, and you've written the copy. Customers need to be kicking the tires on it and telling you what's wrong with it. You know, after you've done your initial sketches. Yeah. I, mean, so I, mean, for, I mean, I think mean only for two us, months we, lead time,
0: Greg, would be a dream. I mean, we, <laughs> yeah. when we think of some of the projects you're involved in. I mean, two months. Oh you no, know, you, you you're going to be double <laughs> that release. I think, before yeah. things make the light of day.
2: But I've known people who have gotten so tied up in not discussing their mobile projects that they've lost those two months or three months of business just yeah. talking about it. Mm. If you don't have a mobile site now and your mobile site could be converting or attempting to convert through a good experience 20 or 30% of your customers. You know, in Sweden, it's very high. In Western Europe, it's very high. Australia, America, mm. it's a huge percentage. If you're not doing it, and someone comes and it loads your main desktop site or it's really slow or not optimized for the handsets in your country, Mm -hmm. they are going to go straight downstream. And there's an important thing about apps. People do not install 12 different apps from 12 different retailers and try all 12 of them out and decide which one they want. (laughs) What they will do is they will visit 5 or 6 or 7 or 10 or 12 Mm -hmm. mobile optimized sites. And the first one that actually works and has the thing that they're looking for and is persuasive as a good user experience and is fast, is the one that will take the money. So if you are not in that trickle-down somewhere uh, and don't have a mobile optimized site, 25% of your business is finding a nice home in somebody else's balance sheet.
0: Mm-hmm. So I mean, what you're saying there is like, I mean, is you've, you, you've got to have a mobile site available because people are going to look for them. Mm-hmm. You've also got to, to um, purvey a... a, a big enough
2: sense of trustworthiness, um, and it's got to work. Hmm. Yes, uh, uh, absolutely. Um, uh, uh, getting back to the earlier question about the prototyping, I you know, I, I really urge people to build straight into HTML for mobile sites. The, the mobile browsers that are out right there now are all running one browser. A lot of people don't realize this. It's running a browser called WebKit. Yep. And it means that developers actually have an easier time writing for high-end smartphones than they do supporting the desktop browsers that come to your desktop site. So they can do some great stuff really, really quickly. Mm, And what we do with our developers is we, we will knock together an HTML prototype and Based on our sketching, and then we will get customers in and actually using it, and they will tear it apart. Exactly. Uh, and we will be depressed, and we'll go back to the drawing board and improve it every week. I've
0: done some eye tracking testing with the same kind of idea that I, I, I encouraged the company I was testing, well, the company that was developing this um, um, product, um, I said, oh, do this as a prototype so I can I can test it properly with eye tracking with users. Because um, they originally had just done JPEG pictures um, as deliverable. And they said, well, no, that's really, that's really not going to get the right response from, exactly. from users. I mean, showing them pictures isn't going to work. We need to see what happens. And, and yes. you're exactly right what you mm. say, that the results we got back were, you know, surprising for them. Mm. And just actually, for, for me, getting feedback,
1: feedback from clients actually is much, much easier also uh, in a prototype than with actually with this with the wireframes or yeah. with anything. Just, I'm, I'm in the project right now We're all of a sudden, this customer is caring. We've done all the specs and wireframes before, but as soon as we get it into the prototype, then they see what we really mean. Yeah.
2: Yes, yeah, so and I had a long conversation uh, online with someone about wireframing. We 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 got into the trap of basically making wireframes shadow absolutely every tiny design change that we're making as yeah. we went through the product, and yeah. now we've thrown away that idea. So. When we built our mobile site, we had no documentation, really, of how it would end up. Um, we had no idea what features would finally be in there, what the copy would look like, what the menu items would be called. Mm. Uh, you know, some people would call us crazy. How can you actually go into the product where it's so fluid? But actually, the analogy is like, a tanker, a traditional IT and, and, and non-UX, is to set the course, and the tanker goes towards the, its island destination, By the time it reaches there, the tides have moved, the markets have moved, the tanker is 200 miles away, it then turns around and sets course again. And, you know, after five or six attempts, it might actually get to the island. Whereas in an agile and user-centered fashion, what we're doing is the product is actually being shaped all along and course-corrected towards the island of joyful customer experience, where the product actually is what they want it to be. It uses the words that they understand, the menu options that they want in there, mm. and all that other rubbish that everybody in your company wants to put on the mobile site is simply not in there because mm. they've told you they don't want it. Yeah, right.
1: like that.
2: Use them. You know, the, products should, the story should be told by customers, and your products really should be not designed by customers but informed by uh, insights from those customers. Mm-hmm.
0: You're right. I mean, here's where you throw out that, that Henry Ford quote about if I'd asked my customers what they wanted, they wanted faster horses. Yeah, so exactly. You, yeah. But you've, got to, yes. you've what, got to provide them with the right yes. inspiration to, to
2: to go forward. Mm. Do you well, actually? You're, you're, right, gr- you're right to mention the doing and saying thing because we all know from observing people on tests that what people say and what people actually do are very different things. Mm. Exactly.
1: Do you actually have any suggestions for for a type of framework that you use for for producing these uh, prototypes? Because I've been looking at Twitter's uh, Bootstrap uh, recently, and I, I quite like it. But do you start from scratch, or do you use some sort of framework?
2: That's a good one. I mean, I, I we we don't use the framework, although I've i seen a whole a whole bunch of them. Um, being developed, there's a whole lot of um, rapid prototyping services sort of springing up for mobile. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. We, we we just tend to build straight into the HTML, so that that is something that not all companies can do. We have some fantastic developers; they're yeah. they're absolute CSS gods. They they really know their stuff. Um, but for some people, they may want to do a prototype either because. They don't have development staff available at that stage in the project and want to get early stage feedback. I and mean, even if you're taking, you know, um some flat screenshots and walking somewhere through a prototype that's just some JPEGs that you've created, even if you're doing the equivalent of a slideshow or paper prototype thing with your design, mm. the earlier you get feedback on it, the less stupid, dumb, idiotic mistakes you will build into the product. The, the, the earlier you remove, ironically enough, uh, the cheaper the development cost of the product.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, one, one, one thing I'm reflecting on now is, um, what's the risk um, with using a framework when it comes to some of the, the optimization for mobile, I and mean, me and you Craig yesterday had a conversation about some, some pretty technical optimization techniques for uh, mobile websites. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: Uh, Uh, And your 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 suggestions are very good, and we had to think about them. There are a couple of excellent tips there. Um, You know, it's it's a really hard area to get right, and uh, our you know our entire focus here is on device compatibility. Because Mm. although a lot of people talk about responsive web design, there's two things that that sometimes kind of ignores um, uh, when people discuss responsive web design, and. Uh, The first is a really important one, which is uh, device compatibility and performance. People often design their websites for for, what devices they have or own or what they think is cool. It's not about you. It's actually about what your customers have in their hands Mm -hmm. and what they're using to come to your site. So if you're launching a mobile site, you should be spending several months beforehand Analyzing the type of handsets that come and knock on your door and say, "Hey, I want to in. I want in. I would like to transact with you," mm-hmm. because this will tell you which handsets, broadly speaking, you should actually be supporting your products they that are trying to do business with you, read your content. Therefore you know, design for that audience rather than trying to design for, uh, you know, potentially every handset. That's one really good way of cutting down your work. If you've mainly got WebKit browsers coming then, you know, your developers will find it really easy. Mm. For example, with us, we have BlackBerry in two key markets, UK and USA. Mm. Um, but practically everywhere else, BlackBerry has vanished. So, you know, it, we need to know these things so that we can develop the product. And the second really big thing that people ignore when they're looking at this sort of stuff is performance. They look at it and design this mobile stuff on a Wi-Fi network, right? If you're a customer who's on a moving train or in a, in a car or in the middle of a field with a really bad uh, signal, then you're not going to get data rates like you get in your nice, trendy design agency when you're looking on your tablet. You're going to get a 2, 2.5G two or even a, a rubbish 3G connection. Mm. Even in London, with all its wonderful networks and infrastructure, I get lousy performance compared to places like Norway and Sweden. So well, a lot of people said, trying I and mean, design journey... mobile sites that are too slow.
0: Exactly. And even my journey here in, in out of town in Stockholm, despite the fact that Stockholm has some very advanced networks, I still fall back to GPRS mm. at two points of yeah. my short journey to town. And, you know, I, I know which websites work best in that environment compared mm. to others.
2: The, the payload on our, our site is about 7 to 10 kilobytes per page load, which means nice. that it works and, yeah. all the A big of the chunk of that out. is actually
0: your, your
2: logo, yeah. I noticed. Yes, yes, <laughs> the biggest part of that. Mm, so is why is the site so, so, so free of loads of branding and uh, and big pictures of smiling people and fans and things like that? Because that's not what customers want. They don't want to wait while they download some nice fancy background graphic they have discrete needs they have goals and tasks that they want to accomplish and they want them they want to get there as quickly as possible uh, and if you look at the modes of time filling you know people are using this to get something executed with us and get it off their to-do list so speed is of the essence. Mm. And when we've experimented with performance, we found that one of the biggest drivers of conversion rate. Mm. If you're wondering why your mobile sucks like a planet sized lemon spinning in space as far as its (laughs) conversion rate goes, it may have something to do with the fact that it's very slow. Mm. So try going outside your office, turning off the Wi-Fi and like walking around and loading it. You'll see what I mean. Mm
1: yeah oh, I like that advice as well yeah love it. time- time's running out for us, but I mean we're definitely going to have to ask you back to the show uh summing things up i mean i know, I realize people should start with the statistics, but if people are in the process right now of building a website uh for, for the mobile, what would be the first thing you would suggest that they do in the morning
2: the the people who have given us the best ideas um to build into products uh have These have mainly come from customers, so these are insights. When people talk about pivots in business and when you flip on an idea, we get pivots from our customers because they show us things that we would never have imagined. And so, by doing regular research and testing with them, we learn to correct our mistakes, to not trust our assumptions and our egos and to actually design better products that they like. And funnily enough, it's hugely profitable to do this. So by making it for them, we actually make them happy and they are delighted. We have Mm. very good NPS scores. Mm. But um, because we care about them and we build it for them, it's not our product. It's actually their product. And with that mentality, that, that that will serve you well. Whichever flavor of mobile site you decide to build,
1: Oh, uh, oh, that's excellent advice. Yeah. A perfect way to sum up uh, and get people into the right mindset. We're actually going to finish after. So, excellent having you on the show, Craig. And uh, thank you so much for pushing us to interview you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's been, it's been excellent talking to you. Okay, that's, that's one. I'm just marking in the conversation. <laughs> one. One. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. It was, oh. uh, it was very interesting. I look forward to carrying on the conversation with you and everyone else on Twitter.
0: Mm, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Have a nice week. Have a great weekend. You too. Right. Bye, Bye. Bye. <laughs> right. Well, that was excellent talking to Craig. He's, yeah. Um, I didn't really get many words in, and that's unusual for me to say. <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll have to bring you back to talk more.
1: Yeah. Well, we had a good time there, and... Um got lots of good stuff and I love the, the ending of that as well and I loved <laughs> the enlo- analogy of the of the Christmas tree that was excellent and will, that will stick in my mind forever yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, so well next up uh, we're going to be going to Portugal
1: oh yeah Very to fun. Um,
0: UXLX yes. which was where um, this podcast was born mm. Mm. last year um, and well we'll see what we can do something while we're there yeah lots of fresh content coming up yeah mm. bye
1: <laughs> bye bye You've been listening to UX Podcast with freelance consultants James Royal Lawson and Per Axman. For more information or to subscribe to this podcast, visit UX